This episode is brought to you by DailyDrip.com. Daily Drip makes it easy to keep up to date on your programming skills. You already know how much time it takes to find good resources and learn new languages. What if the hard part of that was already done for you? Sign up for Daily Drip and pick a topic that you want to learn about. Want to learn Swift? How about Elm? Or maybe you just want to brush up on your CSS and HTML. Every weekday, you'll get a short video or reading delivered to you via email. The best part is it only takes five minutes a day. We have a special coupon code just for BuildPhase listeners. If you sign up using the coupon code BuildPhase, all one word, you'll save $9 on your first month, which means you can try out the Swift topic for free. Don't forget to use the coupon code BuildPhase to show support for our podcast. Make learning a part of your daily routine with DailyDrip.com. You shaved your face. You look like you're about 19 years old. Oh, yes, I did. I. It's very, very youthful. <laughs> Although, like, I have so much gray in my beard that as soon as I start to let it grow out, I just look sort of weirdly, like, filthy. <laughs> like, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's very sort of splotchy because, like, it's a, I have as much hair as I ever had all over my face, but just, like, so much of it is light in color that it, it just gets weird. But you know that what you have naturally is something that they sell in a box here. <laughs> just a, a, a touch of gray because you look a little too young and you're not going to get that promotion at work until you have <laughs> a little bit of gray in your beard to show your experience. Sure. Yeah. It makes so sense. you should relish in that. Yep. Natural gray beard. I have a spot below my chin in the middle of my, the front of my neck, sort of, there's a, a patch about say two inches in diameter that when my when I let my beard out grow out, that part is essentially completely white. Like it's just like there's not a single dark strand in there at all. That's so interesting. My younger daughter always or not always, but now and then she dares me to grow out just that. What would you <laughs> even like, call that? I don't know. It's like it's like a weird neck soul front, front neck goatee. But it's not, it's not a goatee, lizard? it's not it's not on the chin, it's under the chin. I don't know what that would be. It's like a very focused neck beard. <laughs> That's how I like my neck beards. Focused. Focused. Anyway. I'm down to keep talking about beards. I was going to say now that I'm 30, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that the rest of this will fill in any day now. Sure. I'll just come in. Have you, have you just lately turned 30 or? Yeah. Well, happy, happy belated birthday. Thank you. Feel any different? No, it feels exactly the same. And yep. it's not because I feel young. I think it's because I've been 30 in my mind for the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Premature 30. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm putting that on my band name list. One sec. <laughs> Premature 30. I have an extensive list, by the way. This isn't actually a joke. I've had a note on my phone for years that I've just been adding to. Nice. To be honest with you, I don't really like to think about them. They usually just, they come to me and I recognize right. them as a band name and I put them on the list. Yeah. That happens to me all the time, but I never, I never annotate them. I'll just comment on them. Like someone will say something funny in Slack and I will say, that's my favorite country band or something. You're actually just one step away from having your own gigantic band list name or band name list. I don't have time to start all those bands anyway. Maybe that's right. Cause yeah, I could just I could just be an, a namer. I could just be like naming bands. Is there that yeah. could be a, a consulting gig, right? There are like there are people who get a, earn a lot of money on designing icons. I could earn money on naming bands. 
Yeah, you're, you're crafting a brand after all. Yeah. The problem is, is that bands don't usually go anywhere without a name. So they need one up front. And then they don't want to change it once they can afford to hire you as their band brand manager. I could do it for equity. Equity in the band. Hmm. Maybe a percentage on future sales. Future sales of what? You should be very careful there. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I need to talk to a lawyer to get this contract right before I start launch this new business of mine. Otherwise, I like it. I, there's so many bands being created all the time that it stands to reason that the number of names is running out. Right. So coming up with them is more valuable. It's like it's like domain names. Mm-hmm. And people are squatting. I could, I could be a band name squatter. I could be hoarding the good band names and doling them out in exchange for good good cash. That's that's probably more <laughs> lucrative than signing on with a band. <laughs> Here's so, some of my favorites. Some of my favorites. The Definite Article. This is one mm. of the first ones. That's such a great band name. <laughs> the Definite Article. That's a good one. Need more good ones? How, how long have you been have you had this list running? Years, you said? Years, yeah. I can't see when a note was created. I can only see right. when it was last updated, but yeah, years. There's probably almost 100 names on here. Cool. Defcon Fun. <laughs> That's a good one. Feral Boy. Feral Boy mm-hmm. is a great band name. That's, pro- That's probably taken. There's probably got to be a band already called Feral Boy. It's that good. Yeah. Yeah. People thought of Mark it. and the interns. <laughs> that one just had a nice mm-hmm. ring. Yeah. Hey, everybody. This is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Jack in Stockholm. And this is Build Phase. I'm fully distracted by the recent U.S. election. It's hard for me to think about anything else. But I guess we're supposed to try and focus That's on... That's fair. Is it big news in Sweden or is it big news to you as an expat? Oh, no. It's it's big news here. Everyone okay. is trying to... Swedish media in general has been trying to understand Trump for a long time and how in the world people can vote for him. And I kind of try and explain it to people, even though I can't fully understand it myself all the time. But the way that I try and explain it to people is... My firm belief is that many, many Republicans who voted for Trump voted for him not necessarily because they think Donald Trump is going to be a great president, but because they think Hillary, Hillary Clinton will be a terrible president. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's the kind of thing, you know, from both sides, people are just voting against rather than voting for in many cases. And that always leads to the follow-up question from people in Sweden. Well, why... Are they so concerned that Hillary Clinton would be a terrible president? Like, what have they got against her? And that is the I think that is the more difficult question in a way. Like, what does someone have so deeply ingrained against this person that Donald Trump seems preferable? And the way that I try and explain it is just like it's not even really an explanation. It's sort of an explanation. Is that what I say is so much right wing media, especially talk radio, all the way back into the '90s, has been demonizing both of the Clintons as essentially devil spawn for a solid 20, 25 years. And so anybody who has been a Republican for a long time has had that message put into their heads by every media that they're listening to or watching for many, many Mm -hmm. years. I'm not saying it's brainwashing, but I'm saying it seems a lot like brainwashing. Yeah. It's identical to what 
the left-leaning media does to George W. Bush. And I think in this case, it's easy because the names Clinton and Bush have become sort of associated with like political dynasties in the United States. And so it's very, right. very easy to attack them. Yeah, I can see that to some extent. I mean, to me, it's not at all obvious that a spouse of a president is an obvious choice for a, ne- a future president. In this case, Hillary Clinton is a lot more than Bill Clinton's spouse. She's done a lot of stuff. I mean, she's had her own career as a senator and as secretary of state and all these things. Mm-hmm. Many people say she's she was one of the most well-prepared presidential candidates we've ever had. And that, that may be true. I'm not casting shade her way at all. I think she would have been a great president. But I can see that for people who aren't, who haven't really followed her career and paid attention to what she's actually done, I've just heard a lot of disparaging remarks from radio commentators. Then it could just seem like, oh, she's just, you know, just a sort of a kind of a weird sort of cronyism having someone's wife become president because he was president. And I think that's that's largely why, for instance, in a lot of the debates and discussions that Trump was mixing in Bill Clinton's problems into the mix. It's like, well, (laughs) whatever Bill Clinton did or didn't do is not really relevant to the discussion of Hillary Clinton for president. She's his wife, but she's a different person. You know, the job is not about him at this point. It's about her. Yeah. But when your opposition is no longer about an individual person and their qualifications or not, but is more an image of a person or an avatar of a person, then it becomes easy to just lump them together. Yep. Which is unfortunate. And it happens on both sides. Yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what comes of this. I think all the candidates for president have been pretty quiet about the kind of things that tend to get internet hardcore tech nerds fired up about. Like there's not any any talk much about issues of cybersecurity, surveillance machine that the U.S. has in place, all these sort of things that are, I think, relevant for discussion amongst presidential candidates, but no one seems to talk about. Like, they don't even acknowledge it exists. And, like, there was one of the debates, Trump even started talking about the cyber. And I realized that he just has no idea. He was just winging it, you know? And just like, so I don't know. This is the problem when the people running for president are all 70. Sorry, 70-year-olds listening, but many 70-year-olds are not that up on technology. They should be more educated on the number one threat to like job security going forward. Right. Yeah. There was very little discussion about anything, I thought, in this entire debate cycle. Right. Like at no point could I articulate the main points of either candidate's plan that were actually like reasonable governance plans, not building a wall. Right. Which is obviously, it's not happening, but... Wow, I feel bad for talking about this for 15 minutes. <laughs> I think I think we're not alone. I think probably if you pick any random podcast produced this week, a podcast about anything, they'll be talking about this. So we shouldn't yeah, feel too fair. bad. It's, this is important to us. It's important to everybody. So, And I think, you know, I don't, I don't know what to think about. There are a range of responses to the election I mean, from people who are not Trump supporters, there's a huge range of responses. Everything, everything from, well, let's just try and work this out and make the best of it, to, oh my gosh, we're heading towards the fascist state that everyone's been afraid of and warning us about. And I think it's there's a real risk of moving towards something awful simply because our media are so terrible at reporting anything relevant. You know, 
the moment they tried to compete with the internet is, I think, the the turning point for the media here. How do you mean? It, it seems that journalistic integrity has dropped in a rush to compete with the internet's ability to break news. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. They just sort of, anything that somebody says becomes the story. Like, this just in, somebody said this. And I think that's, yeah. you know, that's how Trump was able to dominate so much of the media attention was because he just kept saying wacky stuff all the time. And I think once he got sort of into the groove of this and realized that he could say things, he could say whatever he wanted and his supporters would keep supporting him, he turned that to his advantage by just keeping saying stuff because he knew the, the news media would keep telling about what he said. Did you hear what he said today? And so it sort of kept him in sort of the top of people's minds somehow. Mm -hmm. His entire platform was bucking the trend. So anything he did that bucked the trend was supported no matter what, because they, his supporters are supporting bucking the trend and not the exact specifics of Donald Trump bucking the trend, which I feel is what, is, is what the media focused on because they couldn't believe that this was happening. So Donald Trump, he somehow, he's very punk. He's like the Sex Pistols were in 1976, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. blowing everybody's minds like, oh, my God, what's happening? Who knew? <laughs> Punk rock. In my Trump. mind, uh, I'm, I'm photoshopping. I'm photoshopping Donald Trump onto Henry Rollins face <laughs> in the 80s with black flag behind him. <laughs> it's very humorous. <laughs> well, should we wrap this up? No, just kidding. <laughs> We've got That'd to find. Horrible. We've got if, to find if, some technology to talk to talk about here. If we did that, we could not release this episode through the normal channels. We just have to publish it separately. And just say we went on a horrible tangent. But if you're interested, this might be interesting to listen to. Bonus episode. This would be for premium customers only. Mm -hmm. If you pay to subscribe, you get all these dumb out tech takes like our secret po political discussions. We should just scatter random keywords throughout episodes and if you can put them all together we'll send you like a free shirt <laughs> nice do we have shirts to send no sure we do not thoughtbot does they're not built face i have like eight thoughtbot t-shirts i think everybody in the world has at least one yeah yeah it's like i heart new york t-shirts and right below it is thoughtbot t-shirts they are <laughs> omnipresent i cannot open a drawer or a closet surface or anything in my home without finding something with a thoughtbot logo on it mm -hmm. and i didn't even, i didn't even work there all that long i worked there for three years but it's a lot of shirts anyway what's new with you on the ios front i know that we talked before about you guys have not updated to swift 3 yet and now apple has given clear indication that swift 2.3 is being deprecated soon or it's deprecated now in, in xcode 8.2 right Yes, Xcode 8.2 deprecated, but still there. Xcode right. 8.3, I believe, will not compile Swift 2.3 code. Right. I think we're okay. I think we have some shipping to do. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll do that before that version of Xcode would come out, which I anticipate to be in the spring, okay. given past X.3 releases. Right. Yeah, I'm actually, I've recently started a new client project with an app that's been worked on for a while, and it is in Swift 2.3 right now. And we're talking about trying to do an upgrade relatively soon, just because, you know, it seems like it's time. And it's not a, a huge app? app, so I don't see that there'll be a huge amount of problems. I think the biggest trouble will be in 
dependencies we have. Although probably, I think all of those are probably Swift 3 ready by now also. So I think we'll figure it out. It shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, the only thing I've been doing is changing like how our APIs look when I'm writing new methods and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that there won't be as many things to update. Because when we go to Swift 3, we'd also like to kind of clean up the naming all throughout to like match convention. Right. Yeah, I've been trying to do that as well, trying to write methods that somewhat fall in line with the Swift 3 naming scheme, which is mostly mostly fine. One thing that I found in Xcode 8.2 right now, or is it 8.1 I'm running? I'm not, I'm not sure which version I'm running. It is, I guess it is 8.2. Whatever version that I'm running right now, it's 8.1. When I'm looking at code in Swift 2.3, there are a couple things that happen. Often when, I'm, when I build the app, it seems to want to build some pieces of it using Swift 3. So during the build process, there are actually compiler errors that pop up in the sort of error output. By the time the compilation is done, those go away. It seems like it's just doing like, it's kind of like just, like it's just trying its wings saying, hey, can I compile this with Swift 3 or not? Oh, no, I guess not. But it's really strange. I've never seen this in any version of Xcode before. Or maybe maybe it's this particular app that I'm working on. There'll be something odd in the configuration for this for this client. I've seen that too, in that it wants to recommend adding lets where you have like multiple unwraps happening and like an if let or a guard let. Now that mm-hmm. every every unwrap needs its own let keyword. Right. And I've noticed it, it wants to move the where clauses on some of them. And then Mm -hmm. it eventually resolves itself. And I think Gordon and I were talking about this and I'm really not sure why that happens, except that obviously the compiler version is specified in your Xcode build settings. And so it's processing everything and then it's, you know, starting the correct Swift C. I'm wondering if there's a part of Xcode that's running independently of that. That's Mm. for some reason starting out with the wrong Swift version. Like, like, I don't know if those are just like source kit related fix its that just happen to be coming up at the beginning of the build process. Yeah, that or could what? be. That's not actually the. It's not actually the compiler. It's some something that comes before the compiler. Yeah, that's that makes sense. My theory. That's that sounds reasonable. Yeah, because they come and then they go. They like they're sort of a. It's a temporary thing. But yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm looking forward to actually moving this app to Swift three, just because the, in the past, I don't know, month or two, when I've been working on some other small projects, they have been in Swift three, and it's it's nice to sort of kind of start getting used to that. It has some nice things. I like having dispatch queue in there a few other things i kind of i like the new naming convention that drops a lot of the ns things everywhere so like in general the new kind of way that foundation classes are exposed to swift Mm -hmm. is a lot nicer so i'm looking forward to getting back to that what's been the biggest win like in just writing day-to-day ios related code good question i think some of the details are not that exciting like spots where i think aware and replace with a comma that kind of thing those, those are just sort of annoyances that you have to sort of re- remember to relearn I, I do i do kind of like the the new foundation access it's, it's nice to sort of for a change not be typing ns all the time I've, I've had a thing where for my entire career i've you know for 20 years i've been typing ns string however many times you type it a day <laughs> between 10 and 100 and I always do a thing where I'm capitalizing it. For some reason, I've got I've gotten a habit of I'm typing ns string. I hold down my right shift key and start typing ns s all in caps and then the rest. And maybe a third of the time, the t in string 
also gets capitalized when I'm typing it this way, and I have to go back and do it. That is so weird that you say that. Do you have the same thing? It happens to me, but I don't I don't type it the same way. I, I do, you know, like left shift N and then right shift SS. And for some reason, there's just a timing issue with my fingers where I always get to the T before I let go of the shift. Right. It's so weird that you say that. That happens to me all the time. QWERTY problems. Maybe if we were on Dvorak, we wouldn't have this. <laughs> right. But the weird thing is that even in Swift 3, when I'm not typing NS anymore, I still found that not as often, say maybe maybe a tenth of the times instead of a third of the time, when I just type just the word string, I'll get a capital T in there. There's something, it's some sort of, it's some ingrained timing in my fingers that when I'm typing that, it just does that. I've been having trouble like pulling up my everyday docs on things because in Dash, the doc sets are all Swift 3. And so mm. everything is string operation no ns and so i start typing in ns just no results constantly and it always takes me a few seconds to realize what's happening because in my code i'm still using ns right that's a terrible time for me yeah and that's actually even in xcode in xcode's documentation in xcode 8.1 it's all built around swift 3 and so when i'm looking things up it's like wait a minute oh, is it this oh wait no it's that like it can be it'll be slightly different you command click on a method and it goes to something that is slightly different than what you're expecting so it's a, it's a little bit jarring, but it's not it's not too bad. But I'm looking forward to not having that. The other thing I was going to say about, about um, finger problem, when <laughs> typing things wrong, your, your brain just sort of gives you the wrong pattern over and over again. When I was doing a bit more Python development, say a decade ago, I would often be at the command line, I'd be typing Python space something from whatever. And very often, I can't tell you how often, for some reason, I would not type Python, but I would type Python, stick a G on the end. I do that as well. It's This is really weird. I'm trying to think of the word that that always happens to me on. And it does come up in programming a lot. And I always put a G on the end of something that is O-I-N. <laughs> this is weird. Is this like a human problem? Like, how is this possible that we both have these same like typing bugs? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's everybody. It's just a problem that no one talks about. Oh, I know what it is for me. I can never spell the word point correctly the first time. It always comes out poing. Oh, I get that too. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I think, okay, I think this is, this is a QWERTY problem. This is, QWERTY is to blame. It's got to be. Agree. I also, I also get poing. I kept typing Python so many times back in the day that eventually I, I went to Cafe Press where, you know, you can sort of have clothes made with like logos on them. And I took the Python logo and updated that because they had one of the things you could have was like this thong underwear. And so I stuck the Python logo on there and I created the Python. It's still it's still available for sale and some have been sold. I have not bought any myself. But now and then I look I, I get onto Cafe Press and I check it out and see how many how many Pythons have I sold this year. And? Well I haven't checked <laughs> now that I'm saying I gotta check. I haven't checked it in surely a year. But I'll check it now. I think the last yeah, the last time I checked it a year or two, I was surprised to see that I had sold like four or five that year. But I think that the price that I had set was like I think I either set it to be just at cost or I set it to be something that was so cheap that like they only give you they only pay you out in increments of a certain amount of money. So it has to be at least twenty bucks or whatever. So if I set it for a dollar more than the cost, I won't get anything until I'm have sold twenty or whatever i gotta see we'll link to it in the show notes and we'll give it that uh, build phase bump yeah 
that'll that'll solve it all 10 listeners will <laughs> go and look at your product buy up some pythons and that should be the prize when in our secret thing where we have secret words distributed throughout the podcast we won't send them t-shirts we'll send them pythons done <laughs> so what else what's going on in your neck of the woods kind of in a bug fixing mode mm-hmm. i just did a refactor on how we handle signing in and handle uh, url routes and user activities and shortcut items all things that can launch and launch the app it uses ns operations extensively which are okay. really nice yeah i've never really used them that much and now i want to use them for everything like everything so are you doing like ns block operation or are you actually subclassing ns operation i took a lot of inspiration from apple's advanced ns operation sample code but didn't implement most of it and i subclassed ns operation and uh, made a class that's designed to be further subclassed that handles all of the kvo management of like mm-hmm. finished and executing and because we have swift i overrode main and overrode start and made them final so they can't be further subclassed but you just execute or you override execute and you do your work and when you're done you call finish so using that I wrote a bunch of operations that represent signing in, signing up, representing like parsing a route, parsing a user activity, showing a view controller. And so I can chain those things together in interesting ways. Cool. Yeah, those those can be really nice. I've done a bit of that. It's been a while, but it's a nice way to sort of encapsulate a, a unit of work. Like this is something that's got to be done on its own. And yeah, it's nice. And being able to set up dependencies. Right. It's have things that don't, aren't done until the things before it are done, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And if a dependency is canceled, then, you know, this one is canceled. Right. It's just a lot of nice, like, boilerplate sort of state management that you would usually just have to handle yourself. Mm-hmm. That Apple sample code is great. The accompanying WWDC session came out last year, 2015, and they talk about it in depth and how they use these operations extensively to build the WWDC app. Hmm. So they'll have operations that, you know, say uh, you want to favorite a session and you're not signed in. That favoriting session has a condition or a dependency on signing in or signing Mm up so that you can get credentials and perform the actual task. So, you know, they'll just create one of these operations like favorite story operation and put it on a queue and it knows that before that can possibly run, it has this condition of like, you need to sign in. So then another operation will run and present a view controller, capture input, hit the network, come back, and then allow that original operation to run. Hmm. And there's nice. there's no there's no code at the call site. I mean, you just created what you wanted to do and enqueued it. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I should take a look at that. Sure, and put that in the show notes as well, because I have not seen that. When I have done a bit of that kind of thing, I've sort of piecemealed it together and it was not quite as smooth is what you're describing so i'd like to see see how that's done they use exclusively subclasses of operation queue or an operation to do all the stuff they need to do because you can add observers to operations you can add conditions like i mentioned they handle errors gracefully it's really 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 Mm -hmm. cool kind of incredibly flexible because you can use all these parts to accomplish different tasks that normally might be a little more cumbersome in an ios app for instance you can use observers to create a background observer that, and then you could attach that to say a network request. And that observer also listens for the did enter background notification. And then as it's going into the background, it sets up a background task and kind of like lets that background task know when this operation is finished. So everything can clean up nicely. Hmm. I love that kind of stuff. 
cool. Yeah, we'll link to it. All right. Nice. That sounded good. I want to follow up on my earlier comments by mentioning that in 2016, I have so far sold two Python on Cafe Press. And in, in 2015, four were sold. For a profit of? Nothing. Hmm. <laughs> so apparently I have it set to sell, to sell at the whatever Cafe Press's base cost is. So yeah, I have no, my sales and earnings are showing nothing. Oh, wait, let's see. No, wait, oh, wait, no, I do have some sales. This year I have, it says I have twelve ninety nine in sales, and that is $0.36 cents in earnings. Wait a minute, I don't get it. How do I get $0.36? Cents? <laughs> How do I get $0.18 cents per Python? What is this? This doesn't seem right to me. I've got to jack up the price on this. I won't. I'll, I'll keep the price low for our listeners. That's kind of you. I'm a generous Python monger. Is that the correct term? Is that a, a monger or someone who sell things, sells things, right? Like a fishmonger? Like a cheesemonger, yeah. Cheesemonger. Yeah. Python monger. Well, why don't we actually now wrap it up? We talked about some technology. Okay. We talked about some election, some Trump, some thongs. Mm-hmm. That was a good episode. It was good. It was, it was solid. I was concerned that I would, I would be too despondent after the election to even do this properly. But I'm okay. I feel like I've already bounced back. Yeah. You sounded good. You sounded in good spirits. All right. Well, let's do this. Show notes for this episode can be found at buildphase.fm slash 115. You can reach us through email at hosts at buildphase.fm. And you can find us on Twitter at buildphase. And please look us up on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this podcast from. I don't know. It could be iTunes. Yeah, it's iTunes, I guess. Yep. I use Overcast. Maybe listen on Overcast. So if you're listening on Overcast, you can't leave your comment, your feedback on Overcast anyway. You have to go back to iTunes no matter where you listen to it, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't care how you listen to this. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Your podcatching app of choice should have some sort of link back to the source. And if it doesn't, you should consider a new podcatching app. Yes. Podcatching. Podcatching. All right. All right. Good talking to you, Jeff. Yep. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye. Later. Hey there, faithful ThoughtBot podcast listener. We love podcasts and having the opportunity to share our experiences through such a personal medium, and we hope you enjoy listening as much as we like creating them. For the month of December only, you can show your support for ThoughtBot and our podcast with mugs, shirts, and a limited edition knit hat. This particular shirt and mug design have never before been available outside of our own teammates and customers, and they may never be again. For the production and shipping, we are proud to partner with Social Imprints, who provides career opportunities and a living wage to people who need a second chance. So help support your favorite podcasts, provide employment opportunities for at-risk populations, and get some nifty ThoughtBot swag. Head over to ThoughtBot.com podcasts to place your order and show your support. And hey, thanks.